You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? Let the dogs out. You know, like, ooh, let the dogs out. Ooh. Off the Hook, airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Good morning to you and yours. It is a college football playoff committee show day, which is a mouthful. Amanda LaFrada, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? We've got to change that as a society to the CFP. We've just got to make a change because college football playoff committee show day is is long. It's, it's a little bit long. So you're on the uh, road and you are about to be freezing cold here in just a matter of, uh, I don't know, what is it, like uh, 58 hours, somewhere in there, 50, 64 hours. Uh, you're going to the... Uh, the Green Bay game there in Wisconsin. Your thoughts? Well, Green Bay Titans, because I'm a Titans fan and he's right. a Wisconsin fan, so or Green Bay fan. So um, my thoughts are I hate cold weather. And I was sold a game that was possibly going to be in the 50s, and it is not. So those are my thoughts. Layer up. All right. We've got a huge show on tap. So be sure and hit that like button. Don't forget. It's a thumbs up looking button. We want you to hit that right now so we can continue to expand the show. Additions like Ron Slay have already happened. He'll join us tomorrow and more, more, more. So we're excited about it, but we need you to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe and share. We greatly appreciate that as well. But the more you hit that Thumbs up button. The more you subscribe, tell your friends to subscribe, the more we can bring to you on a daily basis. We're with you each and every weekday at 8.30, and we bring on the man, Caleb Calhoun. It's the Down and Dirty at 30. The Down and Dirty at 30 is brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate. Go to andymasonrealestate.com. Don't make one of those mistakes that'll cost you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. andymasonrealestate.com is where you need to go for real estate in the Knoxville area. Over 40 years of experience, Andy brings you the down and dirty at 30. Caleb Calhoun, good morning, sir. How are you? Pretty good. Amanda, I just thought you'd like to know that my wife is a Packer fan and I am a Titans fan. So, Uh-oh. you know, that's going to be a yeah. fun Thursday night. Uh, she's yeah, from we're... She's from Wisconsin? Yeah, she's from Milwaukee. House is, yeah. house is divided. Um, yeah, so our, our, our neighbors next door have the split flag that says Michigan, Ohio state. So I'm not sure how, how that's that, a much more brutal one. Yeah. I mean, the NFL regular season game is one thing, but that Michigan, Ohio state game, I think it's going to be pretty big. So we'll discuss the college football playoff and where we think Tennessee will land. Uh, but first, uh, Caleb Calhoun, as we dig into Josh Heupel and Hendon Hooker's press conference yesterday, and they were the only two balls made available. I guess everybody else had class. I don't know. But Josh Heupel, with some heavy praise about Hendon Hooker that you wrote about, and it was pretty heady stuff. He didn't hold back any words. 
of course, there's reason for coach speak. There's the Heisman out there. But what did you think of Josh Heupel's comments? If you can kind of re-encapsulate those from yesterday's press conference. Yeah, that was a, it's a bold statement he made. And it's it's accurate, too, to be fair, that Hinton Hooker's playing as well as anybody he's been around. And we're talking about a Josh Heupel that's coached, if I'm just going back through history, He's coached Jason White. Well, he was a graduate assistant when Jason White was a quarterback at Oklahoma the year after Jason White won the Heisman. Then he coached Sam Bradford. He coached Landry Jones, who was in the NFL for a little while. He's coached Drew Locke, um, who is still in the NFL. Uh, Mackenzie Milton was a high-profile college quarterback. And Dylan Gabriel. And so we're talking about a guy who's coached a lot of good quarterbacks. And so for him to say that Hendon Hooker's playing as well as anybody he's ever been around at this time, that's a huge statement. But you look at the numbers and he's right. I mean, again, I, I there's no denying 21 touchdowns, two interceptions over 10 yards and attempts, uh, a passing attempt. I mean, these are just insanely efficient numbers that I don't think I've ever seen. Well, and the interception numbers have been so incredibly low i mean i was talking to chris landry and some people have gotten upset with uh, chris about pointing out some inaccuracies from time to time not throwing the most catchable ball and all of that and i think he's just being honest and there have been times where i think the accuracy has waned but when you start talking about interceptions and not turning the ball over find me somebody that's better in the nation at not turning the ball over than hendon hooker there's not one Oh, I, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of accurate quarterbacks that try to thread a needle and throw interceptions because of it. I mean, I think of towards the end of his career, Brett Favre, you know, was not the Hall of Fame Brett Favre because he was accurate, but he kept thinking he could split double coverage and he had how he would lead the league in interceptions every year. And you're right, you're not, you know, with Hinton Hooker, you may not hit the you may not hit the deep rod every time. You know, he may miss on a couple of passes. But I'd rather a quarterback miss on two or three passes in a game than throw if, – if two or three passes in a game is what he's going to miss on, if that's the price of throwing no interceptions, I think that's a pretty, pretty good sacrifice, honestly. And, Amanda, we met Hendon and visited with him briefly at SEC Media Days. He, this isn't always the case. His humbleness comes across in his play. In other words, how many times does he check down a pass that he could chuck deep because you've got Jalen Hyatt running down there? You could throw jump balls all day long, but he doesn't throw a lot of jump balls. No, he doesn't. I mean, he's a – that's why I was I was so surprised about that last score in Missouri um, against Missouri. And I know it was Joe Milton, and I understand that. I don't – I feel like Hendon Hooker wouldn't have done that. I just feel like he's more humble and more appreciative of there. That's just my, again, just my opinion. Um, a very humble, you know, nice, seemingly very sweet kind of guy. I know that's not what fans want to hear, but. Well, no, I, I think they want to hear that. I think that uh, the, the thing about Hendon that strikes me, and I don't know if this comes across in Heisman voting, it probably doesn't, because I can't pretend to tell you what C.J. Stroud's character is like. Okay, I, I cover Tennessee, so I don't really know. I I do an awful lot of homework before I send in my Heisman ballot. I don't think it necessarily plays in his favor. I think where it could hurt you if the character is an issue that we've seen previously, and um, I, I think that's really. dings some guys in, 
in in the Heisman. I don't think he's that guy at all. But um, Caleb, as as far as when you look back to those Hopple players that he coached, uh, how does how does Hooker stand up? Do you think? I mean, as far as NFL potential, um, I, I I can't really be sure, only because again, you know. Well, I just I meant just in college, his performance in college. Oh, I think this I I would say he's been the best. I mean, and I I'll go out there and I'd say of everybody Heibel's coached in college, he's been the best. The only one who I close to it that type of year was Jason White in two thousand three when he threw forty touchdowns. That was just an incredible year. But that was in the Big Twelve and Oklahoma was just running it up on everybody. And then they get shocked in the Big Twelve title and go play a Nick Saban LSU team in the national championship game and Jason White just got shut down in that one. But Whereas Hooker, yeah, he yes, he got shut down against Georgia, but he's navigated a pretty tough SEC schedule throughout this year. And again, we talk about we've talked about this Missouri even. Yeah, they're not great, but they were great defensively. They had the 13th defense going into last week. Now it's outside of the top 30. And that's what playing Tennessee does to you is they destroy your defensive rankings, whatever they are. True. Now, what I wrote about uh, yesterday uh, was uh, a lot about South Carolina and how I've said that I believe that's an underrated place to play. So Caleb, when you go into this game, if you're a Tennessee fan, are you concerned because you saw issues with crowd noise at Georgia or do you say to yourself, Hey, um, that was a one-time thing because crowd noise was an issue and it's not supposed to be an issue with this type of offense. So, I would say it's a one-time thing only because it wasn't just the crowd noise with Georgia two weeks ago. It was also that Georgia had the cornerbacks to hang with Tennessee's receivers. Does anybody here think South Carolina has a quarterback cornerbacks to hang with Tennessee's receivers? I don't. Um, and so there was the crowd noise. Yes. But there were also personnel things that, you know, the Vols could have gotten around it if they were a little more creative and it, they could have gotten around it if Hypel had called a couple of screens. We can nitpick on what Hypel should have done on some of those offsides, but at, at, at the end, or all, all those false starts. But at the end of the day, the real story was those things were all factors because Tennessee, Georgia was so good. Tennessee was already going to struggle to run its offense. I don't think South Carolina falls in that category. Okay, I, I don't either. I think South Carolina will struggle. And I want to ask uh, Andrew Lyons, who's going to join us of Locked On Gamecocks a little bit later. Uh, he he is is really good in breaking this down. But what is the glass ceiling if at, at South Carolina? Amanda, let me start with you. If Steve Spurrier can't win the SEC East, and he was incredibly close one year, but if he can't win the East, and you're a South Carolina fan, what are you hoping? For as far as the top, what what do you what do you really expect? I think your, I mean, expectations and hopes are are completely different. Um, but sure. if you're a fan and you are just diehard, I mean, I think you're you're wanting to go all the way to the top. Now, South Carolina, I'm not sure because the NIL is a different story. Recruiting now is a different story than it was back then. Um, I think there's a lot more, unfortunately, I think it's a lot more about money now than it was. I, I know players were getting paid. I'm not saying they weren't, but now it's kind of open and honest. Like here you are, we can offer you this much money if you want to come play here. So I think it's just a different, 
it's just, it's a different, I don't know, generation. It's, it's just a different, like comparing apples to oranges. Yes, they're both fruit, but they're different fruit. And if you're South Carolina, I think what you want is a, you want a Saban-esque, you want, you want somebody to come in that changes the game. You want a Josh Heupel, you want, you want someone like that. Now, will you be able to keep them? Probably not. Yeah, I think there's I think the glass ceiling is finances, because in that state, you're always going to compete with Clemson. So you're going to have some of the NIL money go Clemson's way. Some go to South Carolina's way. So no matter what the pot is, Caleb, you're splitting it. I would say pretty close to 50 50 because of Clemson's success over the past 15 or so years. Yeah, I don't know their budgets individually. But I would say pretty close to 50-50, you're splitting whatever NIL money is in the state of South Carolina from the get between the Gamecocks and the Tigers. Yeah, um, they. I think with a school like South Carolina, they because you know people will say, well, look at Clemson. They're doing well. Clemson, what they did was Clemson instituted the spread at the time when the ACC had horrible football in 2010. They had Taj Boyd fall into their lap because Lane Kiffin kicked it, or pushed him out didn't want him at Tennessee and they were able to take advantage of that and build a profile and start recruiting well because of it. Not it's going to be harder in South Carolina in the sec. The thing with all of these schools, and I say this a lot is I don't think anything's static, which is to say, I think all schools have a chance to become a national power. The catch is what, what every school has to do to become one is a little bit different. I think South Carolina, I don't know what South Carolina has to do. They have to find a way to be a little bit creative and cutting edge. I, I, you know, this this applied to Tennessee, by the way. Tennessee is not the most – before NIL, Tennessee wasn't the most fertile recruiting ground in the country. But in the 1990s, they had a 100,000-seat stadium and nobody else in the SEC did. And they had a huge recruiting budget, so they were able to go to California when no one else really did that. Uh, you know, I don't know what the answer is for South Carolina, but the rule with any of these schools to become national powers that aren't blue bloods or in places like Alabama and Georgia where you can just pick talent out of your backyard is you got to find something creative that makes you stand out. I don't know what that is at South Carolina, but again, if it was obvious to find that creative thing, then everybody would do it. Let's go uh, to the message board. Uh, say good morning to uh, Joey. Good morning to Kevin Nugs, uh, Dean as well. James already on board. We appreciate you. Nug said, do you think Joe Milton will be better next year than Hendon this year? Uh, I think physically he's fantastic. And we had this discussion on the post-game show, Caleb and I did. So let me go to Amanda first. I can't get the Ole Miss play out of my head. There there are plays that you have to make as spur of the moment, and I can't get that out of my head. So that's that's going to take some doing. And I'm not sure, I know Caleb will want to weigh on this, but I'm not sure that Haven Jackson won't have a, a chance to win that job, but I'd have to see it first. I mean, you're talking about one of the all-time great performances in Tennessee football history, so I have trouble believing Joe Milton would be better. I don't know if he'll be better just because I think there's a difference in, I don't know, football intelligence, I guess, between him and Hendon Hooker. Well, you, I think almost, there's a, you almost took the words right out of my mouth. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that Hendon is – is more and you have that you have people gifted and you have people who are more you know um they know the game they study the game they they can they can do all of that i think hendon the latter joe's more of the 
the former. And uh, I don't know. And I think we have to see Joe Milton in a situation where he's behind and trying to come back. Sticking him in situations now where you're up by however much and all he has to do is go out there and, and throw the ball around with no pressure is a different situation than being down and having to bring your team, lead your team back. So I think that's going to be the difference maker. And I think Hendon's just better, the better leader. I, that's just my, again, my opinion. I think he's an Uber leader. I think you're exactly correct. Um, I think people get enamored with, with the big arm. I want to get your thoughts, Caleb, uh, brought to you by Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach, uh, he's got your back. Zach England of Best and Brock, if you're in the Chattanooga area, he has the ability to go against those big insurance lawyers and win cases for you and get you what you deserve. That's Zach England of Best and Brock. He brings you Ron Slay each and every Wednesday. Zach England of Best and Brock in the Chattanooga area. Zach's got your back. Caleb, what do you, I know you really like Taven Jackson uh, and, and your thoughts. Uh, we had a post that said, I think Jackson transfers. Um, what, what, what do you think? I know you really like him. Um, and then we have Joe Milton on the other side, who's as physically gifted as just about any quarterback I've ever seen. What are your thoughts on how the quarterback competition shakes out next year? So what I, I, I'll say it's going to be a fair and open competition. I'm also going to say that I will say, don't be surprised if it goes to Taven Jackson, because I thought, you know, he was Heupel's first signee. They really wanted him, but I will say this about Joe Milton and his intangibles and things like that. And, and leadership qualities and stuff. I think it speaks a lot to his character and who he is that he could have transferred probably and found another place to start immediately. And he decided I'm going to sit behind Hooker for another year when I've got two years of eligibility left, where then I only have one year of eligibility left next year and see how much I can develop in this system. And I think that there's, I think doing that a lot of times can really help a quarterback, um, you know, kind of develop leadership intangibles and um, things like that. So I do think Joe Milton may end up, I'm not questioning his intangibles as much as I'm questioning his, I'm not even questioning as much. I, I know you're bringing up his decision-making, the old misplay, and that's unforgivable. But the biggest thing I question with him is if he can just, that downfield accuracy. And I mean, we saw that, we've seen him connect on some of those 70-yard bombs this year. But remember, he got benched last year because he kept overthrowing easy touchdown passes the first two games. And so is that downfield accuracy going to be there when he's starting full time? I don't know. No, um, we'll see. I, I thought I thought that Hendon Hooker had accuracy issues coming into the season and the first month of the season. And I got criticized for that. And he did. I mean, that's a simple fact. But the fact that he overcame it makes me think that Josh Heupel is more than just a play designer, a schematic quarterback coach. It makes me think that he's able to teach some footwork and some things that that really resonate with players because we haven't seen as many, still a couple per game, that Hendon Hooker misses a, a wide open wide receiver, but not nearly as much. And I think that Josh Heupel and Hendon Hooker deserve a lot of credit for that on uh, the website off the hook sports.com. We talk about uh, this is from Caleb Giroux did a great job of breaking down uh, Hendon hookers 
five greatest moments in Neyland Stadium as the Vols closed out uh, their run in Neyland Stadium and senior day on Saturday in the win against Missouri. So, uh, guys, feel free to jump in here. But uh, Hendon Hooker enters the game for Joe Milton, uh, Tennessee's second game of the 2021 season. Milton goes down with an ankle injury. Hendon Hooker finishes 15 of 21 passing for 188 yards and two touchdowns. Also had an interception, but I thought he did a, a really good job of, of coming off the bench. Uh, Amanda, that's that's not easy to do. No, that's that's not easy to do. Um, I would argue, is it easier to come off the bench or is it easier? To, I, I think it's easier coming off the bench than it is starting because I think you have a lot of starter um, coming off the bench. You basically here, if you can save it, save it, but we're not expecting too much, to be honest. Um, but, but either way, Hendon's done great coming off the bench. He's done great starting. So I think Hendon's just overall a great quarterback. And again, Heisman voting, if I had a vote, I would vote for Hendon. Yeah, uh, I I haven't decided. I, I will say this. I think that Bryce Young has gotten lost in this story somehow of the Heisman narrative. Um, I think he's been overlooked. So, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I get you get three selections as a voter. I feel like he'll be on, on mine somewhere. Um, and then Hooker's first start, Caleb going back to 2021. Uh, over Tennessee Tech. I mean, that was the first start. He goes out there 17 to 25 passing with 199 yards and three touchdowns. It was Tech, but it was also an opportunity for him to go through a full week of practice and and be the man, so to speak. And uh, that showing in Neyland Stadium is one that he won't forget, I'm sure. Oh, I'm definitely. Um, I think Hooker's break. I think the game that cemented Hooker was actually the Missouri game two weeks later on the road. But yeah, that first start at Neyland was was a was a was a big one. But Dave, think about what we're talking about here because we were questioning Hooker's accuracy versus Milton's, and that's why I say for the questions about Milton, Hooker was way more accurate. Look at those numbers you just threw out in his first two games: fifteen to twenty-one against Pittsburgh. What did, what did you say his stat line was at, at, against Tennessee Tech? Uh, against Tech, it was 17 of 25, 199 yards, and three touchdowns. Okay, so in both games, he was completing over 65% of his passes. Joe Milton barely completed 50% of his passes last year in the when he was starting for Tennessee. So that's where I'm saying, even though they both struggle with accuracy, Hooker was leaps and bounds more accurate than Milton. I mean, it was so not even close. Um so I think that's where the question comes in. But, yeah, that Tennessee Tech game was a big one. Um, you're right. It, and I, I remember Harrison Bailey, I think, saw some action in that game for a name, if anybody remembers. Right. Um, call. So number three, this is when we get into the really good stuff. And we get sentimental at the end, in case you're wondering what number one is going to be. You can go to offthooksports.com if you just can't wait for us to talk about it, then you can go there and read it. Uh, Caleb Giroux did a really good job on breaking that down. So number three, Hooker runs wild to beat Florida, um, running for 127 yards on 13 carries and one touchdown. I think we all knew going into that game, Amanda, that uh, Hendon Hooker could run, but I think he showed off against an SEC defense that that was a real, real threat. 
and probably made defenses wary of his running ability moving forward. Yeah, I think he definitely came in and and did what he had to do to to put change defensive schemes around Tennessee after that point. You know, you're not just prepared for the pass. You're not just prepared for the run. You're prepared for a quarterback that can do. So I think that's really what Hendon Hooker brought to um, to Tennessee. And I think that's something that people aren't going to easily uh, be able to, I guess, get over, for lack of better words. Um, Hooker orchestrates a 15-second drive to upset Alabama. That's number two on our list, which I know makes you wonder what number one is. I remember when Alabama, Caleb, missed that field field goal. I thought to myself, there is no way that Josh Heupel just takes a knee and goes into overtime. And I also thought to myself, they got a darn good chance of getting in field goal range. That will be the play that most defines the plays that most define uh, Hendon Hooker's career because that was one of the most monumental wins in in Tennessee football history. Yeah, um, that and it's you know it, it was a it was I, I was with you. There was no way Hypo was taking a knee. It drives me crazy most of the time when coaches do that because if you play probabilities, you have the ball and a chance to win. Take the chance because anything happens in overtime. And he did that. The only the only exceptions are if you're like a defensive struggle and you're backed up in your on your own ten yard line, and you'd rather just go to overtime. Okay, but yeah, that, I thought I, I give a lot of credit to Hypo for going for it, going going all in. And you're right, that was that was Hooker's heads up awareness. If if we remember that 15 second drive, the the pass I think to Brew McCoy that got them into field goal range, Hooker was immediately screaming timeouts. He was the one immediately going down to get timeout in to get the timeout into the ref. After that, I mean, he was he was very aware of the clock on that drive, and that that was that was so impressive. Bradley's saying the energy is low. Let's hype yourselves up. Let's go, baby. It's Tuesday. We got to pace ourselves. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, and then lastly, number one, I thought was a really cool moment. Uh, that's where we went number one at OffTheHookSports.com, and that was Hendon Hooker directing the band, which is a Tennessee tradition. Um, which which was really cool. Um, and I know that Omaha Productions put out the. I don't know if you guys saw that the uh, teaser video, the Peyton and and Hendon Hooker directing the band at the same time. Uh, good for him. I mean, for all he's come through, it is one of the best stories in in sports. Uh, in college football, I should say, Amanda. I think that, but with what he's done, um, he deserves all the all the kudos, all the love. No no question about it. Um, so uh, a lot to get to. Caleb, what are you working on today? Excitement from Tennessee's press conference uh, at about noon. We got good stuff coming up. Yeah, we got some assistants speaking. So we'll see what they have to say about this week. Um, and we'll go from there. Um, so big, and then also... Um, yeah, no, the assistance. That's that's as we're speaking. Today, yep, so. we'll have some players too. We appreciate it, Caleb. We will talk to you soon, uh, and have a fantastic day. All right, have a good one, guys. Thanks, buddy. You can read his stuff at offthehooksports.com. So you would vote for Hendon Hooker for the Heisman right now? I think he's been the most impressive. I think. Also, you have to realize Bryce Young is not going to get the Heisman nod because Alabama has underachieved. So as 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 
bad as that is. Well, no, no, no. I'm not saying he's going to win it. I'm saying he shouldn't be lost in the conversation. No. Yeah, but he's because Alabama underachieved. And as horrible as that sounds, that's how the Heisman goes. It goes to the best player on the best team almost every, every time, regardless well, no. of character and no, all no, that no. stuff. Yeah, but should and will is not – those are two far different things. He should Correct. be in the conversation. Um, he he will be in the top five, surely to goodness. Uh, and yes. he should be in the top three. Um, yes. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's not. Um, yes, that's what I'm saying. Five. He won't be because of that. I know there's a lot of Heisman voters out there who, who do vote games and all that stuff there's some people who don't who just go with you know what they think is the going to be the favorite right. and cj stroud has that more but he had that nod for a long time um but uh, again play anybody and here we are yep that is very true i think that in their heart of hearts that they would take bryce young over cj stroud uh, if you look over the entire course of their career. But, of course, you can't do that. Uh, we remind you that we're brought to you in part by Guardian Investments. Guardian Investments, they not only give you a financial plan, but they explain it to you. You can go to giaplantoday.com with video teleconferencing. You can get the absolute best financial advice and why you should put your money where from Guardian Investment Advisors, GIAplantoday.com, GIAplantoday.com. Hang with us because in just two minutes, we'll be joined by a very special guest as we will break down the Gamecocks. It'll be Andrew Lyon with Locked on Gamecocks in two minutes. Stay tuned. It has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. This is Al's Disc Barbecue Supply, so come on in. See all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed. We have plenty of help, so you can produce the best barbecue in a maze for your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food. We'll do what we can to bring you all the best products. We're Al's Disc Barbecue, where Chattanooga goes to grill.
Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. So I got criticized for not bringing the energy this morning. There's my caffeine. It's my second one. So when I have a heart attack here in a little bit, it's on you, message board posters. We're joined by a very special guest, brought to you by our friends at Pedigo Chattanooga, Pedigo Chattanooga, downtown Chattanooga, and they have your best selection of e-bikes that you could possibly imagine right there, Pedigo Chattanooga. Don't buy one online. Those e-commerce bikes aren't going to last as well, and when you need service, you'll want something local. So Pedigo Chattanooga, all kinds of Thanksgiving specials ongoing as we are joined by Andrew Lyon of Locked On Gamecocks. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Doing good, Dave. Hope y'all are doing well. We we are. We are. So um, as, as we start to dig into this uh, Tennessee-South Carolina game, let's first look back at South Carolina's season and your thoughts on what the Gamecocks have done to uh, this point, where kind of, for those that might not know where South Car- Carolina stands. Well, Dave, I think the best way to put it for South Carolina is there's been a lot of ups and downs this year. Obviously, they got off to a bit of a rough start because they had an absolute gauntlet at the beginning of the season facing a very physical Georgia State team to start and then having to play Arkansas on the road and Georgia at home. So they started off one and two, but then the schedule got a little bit lighter. They faced teams like Charlotte and South Carolina State, so that they were able to bounce back at home. And then got a couple of, in South Carolina's case, pretty big wins against Kentucky and Texas A&M, two teams that over the last 10 years they have struggled against mightily. And so there was a lot of momentum that they had built into a four-game winning streak. And then uh, they turn around they laid an egg against Missouri, against Missouri and It just hasn't really been the same for them since. They went on the road and defeated a lowly Vanderbilt team, which, of course, you know, every team in the conference is able to beat, with the exception of Kentucky, apparently, these days. And then they turned around this past week, and they got absolutely obliterated by the Florida Gators. And there's a lot of fans for South Carolina right now, Dave, that sort of feel like that this hasn't been maybe a completely lost season, but more so a missed opportunity, that South Carolina had the players, had – good enough coaches on the staff to where they should have been able to do more with what they have throughout this entire season. And now, of course, they're looking at these final two games against the Tennessee Volunteers and the Clemson Tigers, and they're staring at the barrel of a 6-6 six and six season, potentially heading into a bowl game. So Sapcon is going to look to try to, you know, at this point, just have some positive momentum, get back on their side to end this year. But certainly right now, GameCon is a little bit disappointed with how things have ended up. Yeah, I bet. Um, I want to get your thoughts on Shane Shane Beamer. I know that there's been a lot of talk at first. He was supposed to be, you know, God's greatest gift. And now people are questioning his coaching abilities and all that stuff. And I know a lot of it has to do with Spencer Rattler. Um, what are your thoughts on Shane Beamer and what's kind of the vibe there? I think overall, there are a lot of people in South Carolina's fan base that still think that Shane Beamer can get this ship righted, that Shane Beamer can get this thing turned around here at South Carolina. 
I think that the big concern that a lot of fans do have right now is some of the coaching staff members. I mean, obviously, when you have this conversation with South Carolina, it starts off with offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield. He was retained, of course, for a second season after the Gamecocks went to a bowl game and defeated the North Carolina Tar Heels in the Dukes Mayo Bowl this past year. And they had a surge of talent in the offseason. You, of course, mentioned Spencer Rattler. They also brought in guys like Austin Stockner. Antoine Wells Jr. was a really solid receiver out of James Madison, who's doing quite well this season. You also bring in a guy like Christian Bill Smith from Wake Forest to give you some depth at the running back spot. And when you have all that happen in one offseason to sort of bounce off of what you did last year, then, you know, expectations are going to be raised. And unfortunately, again, the Gamecocks just have not met that bar in that case. And so I think that right now, you know, we're in that phase where fans are having a very strong emotional reaction to sort of everything that's played out over the last few weeks. I still think that deep down, the majority of the fan base still thinks that Shane Mueller can, again, take South Carolina where they want it to be because he had well on the recruiting trail. I think South Carolina's on pace for a top 18, top 20 recruiting class. He has completely changed the culture overnight in the building at South Carolina, a very toxic one that was left by the previous regime. And so in those two aspects, Coach Beamer is killing it. He just needs to probably go back and reevaluate some of these assistants that he hired on his inaugural staff and figure out, you know, what does he want in this program? What does he want the identity to be on offense? Does he need to make a wholesale change in that regard? And those are some tough questions that Coach Beamer is going to have to answer over the coming weeks and next month and a half or so. Well, along those lines, and I think Amanda was somewhat referring to this, right around the time of SEC media days, there was the the video that went viral and all of that. And I know that probably helps Shane, who I'm so old, I covered as a GA at Tennessee, but I know that probably helps Shane um, as far as recruiting. But did it hype up the program? Did it add pressure, you think, to this 2022 season? Assuming that you're referring to uh, the Mark Stoops video with the sunglasses and everything? Yes. The, yeah, the, 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 yeah. He's all hyped and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I certainly think that it brought some attention uh, to Shane Beamer and what he's doing down here in South Carolina. And, of course, with, uh, with how that game played out, it did not uh, end up too well for Mark Stoops over at Kentucky. But I do think that, again, you know, when you do have all these eyes that are drawn to your program after what some people deem to be an overachieving season this past year, and then, of course, again, you bring in all the guys that you brought in in the offseason, and then you have other coaches who are taking underlying shots at you, basically, over the bow at your conference's media day session, then, yeah, understandably, people are going to expect, you know, they're going to want to see if you can back up everything that has been said in the media. And again, some of it was done directly by South Carolina with what they did on the field. And then others were, you know, some national analysts who maybe picked South Carolina as a quote unquote surprise dark horse contender SEC East. And so I don't really think that it put a whole bunch of, you know, I guess new pressure on Shane Beamer, but you know, Again, I think that you could just pretty much file that in the filing cabinet as something between mainly South Carolina and Kentucky, and that will be remembered over the coming years just because of that. Yeah. Rattler. <clears throat> Sorry. Let's get to let's get to Spencer Rattler because at coming in, a lot of, you know, the talking heads had him super high. He's supposed to be one of, you know, the best quarterbacks 
I know he transferred from Oklahoma. If I'm, um, we haven't seen that side of Spencer Rattler. Why, or is it more of, you know, people around? Is there a problem? I think Amanda, the biggest problem for Spencer Rattler is he is in an entirely different system than what he ran in the years that he was at Oklahoma. Of course, with Lincoln Riley, who is now at Southern Cal and doing quite well over there, he runs mainly an air raid type offense, which not to make it sound like it's the easiest offense in the world to learn, but the air raid offense is normally consistent of just a few plays just lined up in different sets and formations. Spencer Rattler has been asked to run more of a pro-style type offense, which obviously is a lot more complex in terms of the terminology, all of the checks that you have to make pre-snap before the ball is even getting to your hands. And I think that Spencer Rattler, especially at the beginning of the season, was having a lot of struggles with this. He has had some issues with his pocket navigation, which you can mainly put on him. At the same time, because of how offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield has tried to implement this offense with this roster, They've been asking this offensive line for South Carolina to do something that, quite honestly, they're just not set up to do. It's just not in their wheelhouse in terms of especially drop-back play-action plays where you're asking them to try to pass block for five, six, seven seconds. And so in that aspect, I think that that has compounded the issue. And, of course, Spencer Rattler is a very polarizing figure in college football. You'll you'll talk to people who say they actually think that he's a really good player and that maybe they liked the kid, or you'll talk to people who say that, you know, they think he's the most arrogant player in all in the entire sport. And so obviously when people see that stat line, you know, a lot of people are going to pile on top of that and not a whole lot of people, maybe outside of South Carolina are going to actually dive into the games to see how this whole thing has gone awry for him just based on the numbers. So to make a long story short, He definitely has played a role in how the season has gone for him, but it is most certainly not all on Spencer Rattler. I think you can point to some of the deficiencies and talent that some of the other position groups have and also the the kind of offense that Marcus Sadville has tried to uh, push onto these players, which is part of the reason why you'll probably hear some news regarding that position for South Carolina in the offseason. We have a question for Andrew Lyon of Locked on Gamecocks. Go ahead and post on our message board, and we'll, we'll try to get to those. Um, be sure and hit that like button. The thumbs up button helps us to bring you more content on a day-in and day-out basis. Big additions coming to the show. Andrew, when I look at coaches around the SEC, I, I, I have a thumbnail sketch of all of them. I, I can say Josh Heupel, offensive coach. I can say Nick Saban started out great defensive coach adapted um i can look at brian kelly at lsu say uh discipline uh, there are a lot of things that i like about him i don't have a good feel though even though this is year number two for shane beamer of really what he does well i don't mean that as a knock i'm not n- next to the program like you are but if you thumbnail sketched it um what is he as a coach right now what what has he proven to you what he's proven to me, Dave, is that he is he's going to be a culture guy first, you know, and you, you are right. Shane Beaver is not going to be known as an offensive guru or, or a defensive guru. And of course, you know, if I threw out special teams guru, a lot of people are going to end up sitting there and laughing at that. Although the special teams unit has been turned around in South Carolina and it has quite literally turned into Beamer Ball 2.0 here because you look at the efficient the efficiency metrics and how they've done on all their different units on that side of the ball. They've done quite well this year. What Shane Beamer has really tried to do here is, again, the first thing he had to do when he came here once Will Muschamp was fired was he had to flip the culture. He had to make it more of a team mentality in the locker room, have the guys hanging out together more in that football operations building, which they're doing now. And 
he pretty much he he tries to have two different sides to him where he he's going to love on them during the day. You know, he's going to stop by and talk to him in the hallway when he passes by them. And he's always going to have his door open if someone wants to come in and talk to him. But at the same time, he's going to use that as a way to coach them hard on the practice field and get after them during a game. So pretty much just trying to balance the emotional side of the game, the emotional side of being a student athlete in college. That is what he is going to do best at. And obviously, that's not a sexy answer. It's not an answer that you're going to give maybe for a lot of coaches, but he is a prototypical modern-day CEO type of coach. He's not going to be, again, someone that's going to out-scheme you on offense or defense, but he does a lot of important tangibles quite well in terms of being the head coach of a Power 5 football program. It's interesting you say that because he cut his teeth under Philip Bulmer. That's the type of coach that Philip Bulmer was, a great recruiter. But he happened to have two, one very good and one above average coordinator in David Cutcliffe and John Chavis. So maybe that's what Shane has in mind. And I think that the, the recruiting pizzazz before the season probably speaks to that. Uh, I'll be at Big Orange Phillies for a meeting on Thursday. You should check it out in North Knoxville or Maynardville Pike. Big Orange Phillies has fantastic food, a family environment close to Maynardville, close to North Knoxville, everything you could possibly want there at Big Orange Phillies, and the food is just awesome. And they've also got billiards, they've got darts, they've got it all at Big Orange Phillies. Amanda? This Tennessee, South Carolina, a lot of people say, you know, South Carolina, like we're going to get curb stomped basically by Tennessee. What do Tennessee bring to the table South Carolina fans feel that way well Amanda it all starts with that offense I mean when you're averaging 40 plus points per game against every team that you face this year which includes the likes of Alabama and the Pittsburgh Panthers and the Florida Gators and all those teams historically good programs in college football uh South Carolina have good you got good reason to be scared because this could be a matchup nightmare for you I mean you look at South Carolina recently, their rush defense has been just abysmal. They haven't been able to stop. They couldn't stop a cold right now if they tried hard enough. Uh, I mean, Vanderbilt rushed for over 200 yards against the Gamecocks. So it, it hasn't been good on that side of the ball. And then you look at the secondary. The secondary has some talented players, but the issue with them is they've dealt with the injury bug this year. They've been the most snake bit on this team in terms of all of that. And so they're starting a couple of true freshmen back there, which I know me saying that all you Tennessee fans in that comment section, you're going to go crazy about that. And you're going to imagine Hendon Hooker throwing that football to Jalen Hyatt for 50, 60 plus yard bombs on Saturday night, because obviously Tennessee likes to go fast. And so the communication is going to have to be quicker subsequently on South Carolina's end. And uh, with the, Lack of a rotation back there in the most important position unit for this kind of game. That's why South Carolina fans are the most scared. And at this point, South Carolina fans just do not have trust in this offense. They have no trust in there being any sort of consistency in terms of a game plan, whether it means Jaheim Bell is actually going to you know, see the ball 20 times a game. Maybe Spencer Rattler is actually going to throw the ball downfield. Or if South Carolina can establish a run game, there's just been no constant plan or threat, it seems like, on that side of the ball, maybe outside of Marshawn Lloyd when he's been healthy and he's been utilized properly at that running back spot. So for all of those reasons, that's why South Carolina fans right now uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty terrified about this Tennessee game, which, you know, is maybe something that they felt like heading into the season. But after what we've seen, of course, Tennessee do this year is uh, certainly the case now to, to an even higher degree. But I saw 
it was announced that it is a sellout. So, yeah, th- that's the thing about South Carolina that's so interesting to me is when you go there, the fan support is just tremendous. I mean, it is just fanatical for a team that hasn't won at a high level. And I'm curious if how they can parlay that into success. And I'm referring to NIL. I'm referring to transfer portal, that sort of thing, particularly with NIL. Andrew, where do they stand there as far as a foundation, as far as being able to to pay some kids? Because that's a big factor in where kids will go nowadays. Right. Well, Dave, you're exactly right about that. And the thing with NIL for South Carolina is, look, the University of South Carolina, they do not have the group of boosters that a lot of other SEC programs do. And South Carolina has recognized this, but they have done a lot of good things in the offseason. They, I believe, are one of only 10 programs in college football that joined the Atlas GM program, where Atlas basically sent a representative to the university in order to try to basically give guidance to student athletes on campus, you know, on what NI you know, what NIL deals they could potentially uh, work out for themselves. And they also were the first school to have an in-house firm that just specifically deals with NIL, I believe, for the football program, something called Park Avenue. They got a marketing agency up in Greenville, South Carolina, to be a part of that. And they have an exclusive rights deal with them for, I believe, at least the first year. And then the second year, only including a couple of other in-state programs. So, South Carolina has been finding some real unique ways to try and catch up, so to speak, I guess, in terms of NIL. They're not as far behind as maybe some other fans would think. But obviously, again, they do not have the boosters that other programs like Tennessee does. So South Carolina is certainly trying to find some different ways in order to stay afloat in that aspect. Because obviously, as you mentioned, NIL is the name of the game now. And if you do not adapt and get with the times, then you are going to get left behind. We've seen that for sure. I feel like at a lot of different places already. What can Spencer Rattler this weekend do to overcome some of those doubters or just overcome some of the uh, pressure that I think that, that he has as South Carolina's quarterback? Do you think that he'll be able to do anything or what are you looking at? I think what Spencer Rattler, if he's going to have any kind of success this weekend, I think that in a way, I think you need to see the old Spencer Rattler come back. And what I mean by that is the Spencer Rattler that was willing to roll out of the pocket laterally and still look down the field and try to find an open receiver because – Again, people are going to say what they're going to say about Spencer Rattler in terms of, you know, what he's done off the field and, you know, the um, the program, the QB1 program he was a part of back when he was in high school back in Arizona. But Spencer Rattler, there are very few quarterbacks that I've ever seen that can throw the ball like he does on the run, off platform. There are very few quarterbacks that have the kind of talent that he possesses. He's a one percenter in that particular aspect. And so – If South Carolina is going to have any chance on that side of the ball on Saturday night, if Spencer Rattler is going to go out there and, you know, I guess give a performance that can help the Gamecocks have a chance in this game, I think that you need to see him honestly abandon some of the stuff that they have been trying to really force on him during this season. And again, that's not to say all they've been trying to do in this offense with Rattler has been bad, but, you know, I think that it's very clear Spencer Rattler He's a quarterback that thrives on on unorganized chaos. And obviously there are times where he will make 
a pass that makes you sit there and scratch your head and wonder, you know, why on earth did he throw the ball over there? But I think that you'll see that far less when you pretty much, you just let go of the reins and you just say, hey, just go out there and be Spencer Rattler. Go out there and be that quarterback that was a five-star when you were in high school back in Arizona, when you were, you know, potential Heisman contender at Oklahoma. Go out there and be that quarterback. We're not going to restrict you in any way, shape, or form. And also, call some play-action bootleg passes. Call some rollout concepts that will allow him to naturally go through all that instead of him trying to run away from three or four defenders from Tennessee that are trying to tackle him in the backfield. It, it sounds like to me, and I don't want to read too much into this or be a psychologist, but it sounds like there might be some confidence issues going on. I, I could definitely, I could see where you're getting at there to a certain degree. I think that, I think that Spencer Rattler right now is probably a little bit conflicted because the thing is, you know, it, for people that have watched South Carolina's offense for more than a couple games, again, you, you will see very quickly where the struggles lie. And despite all of that, Spencer Rattler, for the most part, he's been pretty comp cool and collected during these games this year. And even in games where South Carolina, again, got off to a bad start, like the Arkansas game, for example, they went down, I think, 21 to nothing or 21 to three early on. And of course, Arkansas, they probably weren't going to lose at that point with that kind of deficit. But Spencer Rattler, he didn't cave in. You know, the Missouri game, Missouri was living in South Carolina's backfield throughout the entirety of that football game. Spencer Rattler did not showcase a whole lot of emotion. And I think that all that comes down to is, you know, obviously he is in a different program now. He is trying, in my eyes, to prepare for the NFL. And I think he knows that, again, there are certain aspects of this offense that are good for him in terms of his development, in terms of trying to get him to operate as a different quarterback and not always have to roll out of the pocket and create unorganized chaos for yourself and trying to throw it off balance. But I do think that he also partly does believe that, again, this season has hurt his draft stock. I mean, there is no question about that. Nobody's going to look at a stat line where you've got less than 10 touchdowns, two games into the season, and you have more interceptions and sit there and say, that guy is even going to be like a fifth or sixth round pick at this point. It'd probably be like, you know, we'll take a shot on him in, in the seventh round if he's on the board or, We'll let him go as an undrafted free agent. We'll try to sign him at that point. That's where Spencer Rattler would sit at. And so I think that he's kind of got that the, the devil and the angel on both sides of both shoulders where he's been trying to process all that. So in that aspect, I could see how that would thus impact his confidence a little bit. And I'm sure, of course, there's things that I haven't seen that have gone on in the locker room that would also indicate that to a certain degree. So essentially uh... – when, when you look at South Carolina and you're a Tennessee fan, um, the, you, you think about the, the secondary that's beat up. Uh, Tennessee's passing attack you would think would flourish there. And then Spencer Rattler, who has not played as well as I think most of us, at least I thought, I actually thought he would play really well. I thought South Carolina was a, I, I wasn't on the South Carolina train preseason, um, but I did think that Spencer Rattler would play well. Paint me a scenario in which this game is competitive in the fourth quarter, Andrew. Hendon Hooker has an off night. Hendon Hooker makes a couple of bad decisions. Let's say he tries to force some passes because maybe uh, maybe he assumes that he's just going to have a fantastic night against this secondary. And so he just decides, well, I'm just going to put up any ball that I think I can throw. And South Carolina's secondary does pick off a few passes because – 
South Carolina, for uh, as bad as this season has been in certain aspects, I believe they are one of the top teams in the SEC in terms of interceptions. So if you put the ball in harm's way, more often than not, South Carolina's secondary will make you pay for that. They have done a great job in terms of forcing turnovers on the defensive side of the ball since defensive coordinator Clayton White has been here when Shane Beamer originally arrived. And I think another aspect would be if Tennessee does not do well on special teams. And again, I know people are going to poke fun at this, but South Carolina has legitimately gotten a lot of points off of their special teams units this year. I mean, they've blocked, I believe, five or six punts. They uh, they blocked a field goal this past weekend against Florida. And so if Tennessee lets this game stay close going into halftime, going to the third quarter, and what is going to still be a raucous crowd at Williams-Brice, and a few plays like that fall the Gamecocks way on special teams or through turnovers, let's say, by Hennon Hooker or maybe y'all's running back unit, then uh, that's how South Carolina could keep this game a close one heading into the fourth quarter and maybe have a shot to win. Andrew, great stuff. How do people follow your work? I know we've got some uh, South Carolina fans out there in the Knoxville area, I'm sure. How do they follow your work? You can go and follow me at a lion underscore SC on Twitter. I can also be found at locked on SC. If you're just looking to follow maybe any information regarding the podcast specifically. And of course you can look the locked on Gamecocks podcast, wherever you get your audio podcast daily and maybe particularly on Spotify or Apple podcast, but you can pretty much find me anywhere in that regard. You're all over the place. Andrew, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for your time, Dave. Have a good one, y'all. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. Andrew's appearance brought to you in part by Nutritional World, e-commerce supplements that are absolutely just the best. And you don't have to worry about that acronym store just throwing you some supplement. And with Nutrition World, go to nutritionw.com, nutritionw.com, and you'll know that their supplements come from the best companies that provide you with the right things to put in your body. Don't just throw something in your body that you find at some acronym store. Um, Go to nutritionw.com. So I come away from that, and I thought Andrew was very honest. But I come away from that with, uh, he thinks that Spencer Rattler essentially needs to go rogue. Uh, Amanda, I'm not sure how that works out. I don't know how that works. Well, I also think when he said you will see a change in that position, you know, later this year, I feel like that means that they're going to find a new offensive coordinator and somebody that fits more of what Shane Beamer's thinking. And maybe, uh, I don't know, somebody that, that would be better with the, I think everyone sees that South Carolina's offense has been atrocious. And it should have been so much better. They have better weapons than what it seems like they're using. Or maybe people are just not playing up to their standard. I don't know. But it looks like it's playing them likely. And I think that's something South Carolina is going to change in the future. Very yeah, it sounds likely. like – I'm sorry. It sounds like there's some big changes coming in, in Columbia. And, uh, and Amanda, if, if this is the plan for Shane Beamer, at least have a plan. You can adjust your plan. But if this is the plan to be a CEO type like Philip Fulmer, you have to have the right coordinators. So if you don't have the right and, – and John Chavis wasn't great, but he was good. He had talent. You know, he was above average. I think it proved out at A&M in Arkansas that he wasn't a great schematic coach. 
Um, but when he had talent, who's not? He was good. David Cutcliffe was special, obviously, with the way he could coach offense and coach quarterbacks. But can Shane Beamer convince those type of coordinators to come to South Carolina? I don't know. I mean, that's the question. And can he convince them? Do they have the money to pay them to be there? Other thing, because like we, you know, he said, there's not a lot of money floating there booster-wise for South Carolina. So it's it's one of those things that do they have the money to pay them? And if he's going to go after coordinators, it's going to have to be coordinators that aren't well-known or coordinators that are up and coming. I mean, he's going to have to do like talent recruiting basically for the coordinators because he's going to have to get these young guys that are, you know, that are somehow just a, a diamond in the rough, I guess. Seems like an uphill battle. Seems like a lot of an uphill battle. <laughs> and it's funny because Amanda, we were having the same conversation about an uphill battle when they had a guy named Steve Spurrier and I went to a camp there and the facilities, I'm not joking. Webb and Knox Catholic ha- had as good of facilities as the, t- at the time. So is it always an uphill battle at South Carolina? They get bigger boosters. I think it's going to be, I mean, until they get more money funneling into funneling into that program, I think it's always going to be that uphill battle. Now, if the NIL is something you know, if, if they have something there, then I could see that working out in their favor uh, over other schools. But at the same time, you still have to have someone to coach them. So it, it seems like an uphill battle. I'm tired just trying to figure out how South Carolina can become relevant. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm serious. Like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, ooh, this is exhausting. I mean, you got, you got Georgia, who is... Uh, has has become the best program, I would argue, in the nation. You got Florida, who's going to benefit from in-state talent. You got Tennessee, who's got the NIL set up. I mean, you're fourth before the season even starts in the East. Yeah. I mean, it's really unfortunate. Yes, you are. You are at least four. I mean, at, at the top, like, that's the ceiling, fourth. Unless these other teams just have off years, but. Still, that's season out of how many? Well, with that Billy Napier, he's a detail-oriented guy. How much? Do we talk? <laughs> I just call him Aaron Hernandez because that's what he looks like, and I can't get over it. So that's I just refer to him as Coach Hernandez. Uh, Smoky Mountain Red said, um, "Was it the Prowler package that John Chavis was known for?" Yes, that's how they beat Florida in 2001, and they'd only have one guy with their hand actually on the ground. It was Bizarro, and it was to challenge Steve Spurrier to run the ball at you. Um, they didn't run it all the time. That that And they'd bounce around and move around so you didn't know which gap they were coming at. But primarily he was... At no- LSU? Yes. He was at LSU for okay. a short time. Um, and then A&M and then Arkansas. And last I heard he was at a middle school. Well, live the dream. You know, what do you do? Got rich. Um... By the way, um, the Smoky Mountain Red said, plus they have Clemson to deal with and recruiting. Yeah, I agree. Kevin says, is the SEC East the best in college football? Um, I'll tell you what. 
let's let's discuss that. What do you think? SEC East top to bottom. Um, At the moment, or are we talking about after Texas and Oklahoma join? Oh, well, I don't know what's going to happen then. I think we're talking about at the moment. So at the moment, I would have to say the Big Ten East, right? With Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. I mean, that's – I don't know. They're pretty comparable. If you, if you I mean, want to say – if you want to say Michigan and Ohio State offset or vice versa, you Tennessee and Georgia, I mean, they're all in the hunt for the college football playoff. One is going to have one loss. One's probably going to be undefeated. So let's take the top two teams and call them equal. Then after that, who's the third best in the SEC East? Florida? I mean, yeah, I guess. It depends on what year you're looking at. That's the thing. Like, it depends on, you know, like four years ago. Like, just this year. Just this year. Oh, just the best division in college football, not conference, but the best division. Ten East, then. I think it would too, because four I mean, is this, six and just four. Just this year, yeah. You have yeah, Georgia, think, you have Tennessee, and then you have nobody else, basically, even close. Yeah, I, w- I would think that this year, especially, but boy, that Billy Napier—he's a really detail-oriented guy. Um, they've got uh, all the details. Every, remember we heard that like 15,000 times at SEC media days. Yes, I do remember that. Well, I, I was kind of just out of it. Cause I was just like, Aaron Hernandez, it looks just like him. Like it, I, it could not stop. It could not. I, I couldn't focus on anything else regarding Billy Napier. It's kind of like Billy Napier. Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, I guess if we're having this conversation a week ago, we're comparing Penn State to Kentucky. But it's hard to compare Kentucky to Penn State after you lose to Vanderbilt. Be sure and hit Levis. Yes. Be sure and hit that thumbs up button. We greatly appreciate it. It helps us bring more to the show. It helps uh, put Dr. Pepper in Amanda's uh, fridge. So hit the thumbs up button. Cheers to that. I moved on from my caffeine to my jug of water. And, uh, yes, the Prowler didn't work against LSU. You're talking about the 2001 uh, SEC championship game. That's true. But I think the SEC East makes a strong argument for number two. And long term, I don't believe in James Franklin. So I think if we're talking about projecting forward, Amanda, which is kind of what you were hinting at, if I had to bet my money on the next five years, I would take the SEC East over the Big Ten East. Not your mortgage? What did I say? Yeah, I bet your mortgage. You said money. What did, that, what did I say today? Did I not say the money. mortgage? No, oh. you didn't say you're betting your mortgage. You said you bet your Okay. Well, I want to be careful with with, with my money. So, um, yeah. I, we'll see, ultimately, if if James Franklin pans out, it just seems like he's hanging on there. Does it not They're just all... seem like he's just round? Again, it's it's two attractive people who are not really interested in each other, but don't think they can do anything, get anybody better. So they're just yeah. sticking here because it's halfway working. So 
That's that's what Penn State and James Franklin are doing. I think he'll probably retire at Penn State. I'm not even going to lie. Oh, gosh. Well, it, you know, the Tennessee meandered through a couple of goofy years and the end of Philip Fulmer's tenure. But at least he had that championship to say there's reason to give me another shot. And he argued that in 2008, he should have gotten another shot, which wasn't the case. Yeah, but but at least he had the championship to make the argument. James Franklin doesn't have the championship to even make the argument. I don't. I agree with that. But I mean, who else is Penn State going to go out and get? I mean, who else is like, you know, let me put my name with Penn State who's Turno's their best coach ever, and he only won one. My my argument would be from covering that area, there is a lot of talent, and that they do win battles against Ohio State, and there's a lot of talent that Ohio State doesn't offer. That would be my argument. That being said, you're 110% right. Who are they going to go out and hire? Now, South Carolina. Urban Meyer, maybe? Oh, my gosh. Well, he doesn't care about his reputation at all. Also, I mean, and they don't care about their coach's reputation. So here we are. Perfect Ooh, fit. Good point by Smoky Mountain Red. Matt Rule would be a good fit up there. That's, yeah, that would be an interesting selection. Did you <laughs> did you um, raise your nose to Matt Rule? Or are you not a Matt Rule guy? Or were you just sniffing? Uh, no, I just, I just have like an itch. So I'm just like, that's what I do when I have an itch. All right. Today's tough question is now it's college football committee playoff show day. So uh, here we go. Yeah, it's a mouthful. It's CFP day right here on Off the Hook Sports. Today's tough question is now. We do our research. Have you done your research? We're working like heck. Today's tough question. What's the real debate? You sipping my soup, eh, Guadalupe? Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker and Amanda LaFrada. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? Oh, my God. I agree with you, Smoky Mountain Red. I think that Billy Napier is a three-year coach for Florida. All right, Amanda. So this is the question that I have for you. It's pretty simple, pretty easy. Where will Tennessee be ranked in the college football playoff tonight? Is that too easy? They're going to be like five, right? Okay. Um, um, yeah, that's obvious. Sorry. No offense. That's fine. Okay, let's uh, – You. what other direction do you want to go in with today's tough question? What are your thoughts? Well, we could say – at Tennessee, you know, ranked five. Who will because Oregon lost? Like there's there's a big, you know, back and forth on B six. The LSU. So you'd have USC. Um, yeah, let's do that. So if you want to go ahead and post that, we'll get it out there so you can vote on it. Always go to our Twitter page and be sure and follow us so that you'll hear the latest updates on the show. We'll be joined by Ron Slay tomorrow. Today's tough question is brought to you by Zul Beer Company. That's xulbeer.com. Fantastic parking downtown and worldwide award-winning craft beer. Not easy to say, but fantastic to drink. That's zulbeer.com, xulbeer.com.
com. And uh, man, they are just fantastic. We appreciate all the guys. I go to Zool Beer Company for great merch as well. So we are back in two minutes. I want to remind you that I'm not wearing glasses and I'm not wearing contacts and I can see clearly as the day is long. And that is because of Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han right there on Weisgarber. They did my LASIK and they should do yours because they're local. And that means a lot when it comes to eye care. Also with cataract surgeries and more. So uh, Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han, I highly endorse them. And as we say often, but it bears repeating. Anybody on this program or on our website are people that we do business with or would do business with if we needed their services. So uh, it's about integrity and Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Hahn is local and they've been around Knoxville a long time. Back in two minutes with an awesome This Day in Sports History. With all that sun, sand and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vassy's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vassy Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct service station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been. But it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas, fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do, and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left, and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. Thanks for the business. Sports history, putting things in perspective, exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. You're so old when you were a kid, rainbows were black and white. And Amanda Labrada. New kids on the block just called. They wanted you as a backup dancer. This day in sports history, November the 15th. Back in 2007, the number one Lady Vols defeated Oklahoma and Tampa with free throws from Shannon Bobbitt with 3.2 seconds remaining. Tennessee went on to win another NCAA National Championship, finishing the season 36-2. and That's pretty good. Candace Parker had 28 points, 15 rebounds. Shannon Bobbitt scored a career-high 27 points. And I love to see... Candace Parker 
Amanda have success in broadcasting. Why? Because she is really, really good. She is and she's good. really pretty. Yeah, she's striking in person. Like, yeah, striking. she's she's gorgeous. But as as far as just her, her presence on television, just really impressed by her. So this day in sports history is brought to you by our friends at City Heating and Air Conditioning. That's cityheatandair.com, cityheatandair.com. And Integrity Matters, servicing HVAC in the Knoxville area. And uh, Amanda, I did see this because um, we're getting ready to get to message board bingo and in, in which we'll talk about craft treats. But I did see where Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson ha- have teamed up together to provide you with what we all need, and that is THC gummies in the shape of an ear, because Mike Tyson tried to bite Vander right. Holyfield's ear off twice. He That's, did. He bought. He bit a he, chunk off. He did. He yeah. did twice. That's the amazing part about that thing. Twice. He needed the gummies. If he had the gummy ears, he wouldn't have tried to bite them off. Man, I saw the most bizarre thing on him the other day. <laughs> Kevin's laughing. You never know what you're going to see on the YouTube. And YouTube. yeah, and I saw um, uh, Mike Tyson eat. I don't know how much a lot of shrooms are. Okay. But eat a whole handful of shrooms on a broadcast. Oh, and I think they're grown in, aren't they grown in like manure? It's just a terrible conversation at the very, at this moment. This is awful. Um, I do have a question though. Lay it on me. For Tennessee fans out there. And this is always something that I've wondered. Would you rather have the eight, is it eight national championships that Coach Summit won? Is that right? Uh, yes, I believe, or do, is it okay. seven? It's seven or eight. Seven or eight. Something like that. I'll find out. Would you rather have those basketball, or would you trade those for one national championship in football? I don't think there's any question. You would. I hate this. I mean, I don't want to sound like it's being sexist, but the financial impact of one national championship is. Monster. Well, you don't have to give a reason. You just have to say either one. Um, you take the the story of Pat Summit and everything that she did and, and all of those championships, or would you take one national football title? Man, you won't find anybody that's a bigger fan of Pat Summit than me, but it's it's a football drives the train. So I would I would take football. I think any SEC school would. Maybe other than Kentucky, if you're talking about men's basketball. I don't uh, know. That's uh, never had this this issue before, so I've no. I idea. think what's interesting it would Kentucky fans take a football national championship over a basketball national championship? Oh yeah. Yes, this is that's not really. Of course, you would as Kentucky because then you could you know say you're good in both. Of course you would, but trading, they wouldn't trade all of their basketball championships for one football one. I'm just saying in 2023, by the way, you got something stoked here. I'll go to the message board here momentarily. Oh, okay. 
Um, you stoked a fire. Um, going into 2023, would Kentucky prefer to have a college basketball championship or a college football championship? College football championship, 100%, no doubt. I think you're probably right. Um, yeah. If John Calipari only wins one championship with Kentucky with all the talent he's brought in, is he an underachiever? Disappointment. Yep. I agree. Um, so Drunken VFL says football all day. And uh, Smoky Mountain Red says football. Sorry, Pat. And I thought it would continue to go in that direction. And then Joe says, I have to say Pat still. Kevin says, you got to keep Pat. Joe says she was a total trailblazer. Smoky Mountain Red said she is ladies college basketball. So I'm sitting, but I stand corrected. Yep. It would be something. There would be some people that would choose the the football. There would be some people that would take Pat Summit's legacy. So, I mean, really, that's, that's what it is. One national title or Pat Summit's legacy. Interesting. Um, You got to check out our friends at Viles Automotive Group right there on Callahan. Viles Automotive Group is your home for a fantastic car selection, car service, where uh, the integrity is important and they keep that in mind. They want, they need, and they appreciate your business. That's Viles Automotive Group right there on Callahan. So uh, check them out. The Drunken VFL says, does what she did for the game just disappear because of the championships? Yeah, that's the thing that you have to take into account is the way she promoted the game. I, did she do more for women's basketball than she did for Tennessee's athletic department? Yes, I think she did. But if the championships go away, I think that a lot of that power goes away as well. Because she did, she changed the game for women's basketball, but that's because, you know, not only her coaching style and everything that Pat Summit, you know, was and still is to the program, but the, the success that she had and championships are a big part of that. So if you take away those championships, you take away that power and some of that legacy, honestly. Somebody asked about Tyler Summit. He is not coaching, to my knowledge. Um, according to his Wikipedia page, had some issues. We'll just leave it at that at La Tech. Uh, so he is he is not coaching. But absolutely, you thought that he was going to be a magnificent coach. But, you know, sometimes you, you can be really good at something and you don't like it. And I got the, I got the feeling that he could have resurrected his career if he wanted to by now but he's always going to be compared to his mom. And that would be really tough. And, and really it was unfair for him to get the law tech job when it comes to women's basketball. That's, that's a big time job. I mean, they used to win championships there. So that's not where he, he should have landed first. He he should have landed at a smaller place. Again, other things got in the way. I know he was at Marquette as an offensive coach and I believe a scouting coordinator, but, he shouldn't have got the law tech job that early in his career. That was just that that's that that's throwing it up there too quickly, too fast. And I would say there's a good chance that ego might've gotten in the way. All right. Message board bingo. Here's how it works. Message board bingo. 
is brought to you by our friends at Owl's Nest Barbecue in Ottawa and Craft Treats. Let me tell you about Owl's Nest Barbecue. They are right there in Ottawa, and they have the rubs, the sauces, and the Green Mountain Grills. Everything you need and expertise that can't be matched. And when it comes to Craft Treats, you got to go to crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook. Get 20% off off the hook and use that promo code and you will get 20% off or maybe you'll just win something for free right now. Message board bingo. Here's how it works. Amanda reads a message board post. And if you could tell us the team's message board that it was posted on Amanda smiling, cause I didn't stumble over it this time. If you can tell me, it's a lot of words. If you can tell me who, um, what team's message board this is on, then we're going to hook you up with a gift certificate to craft treats. And I sent you a picture of my dog this morning. He likes to, uh, it was sweet, wasn't it? He's very sweet. He's very sweet. Unless and he bites you without his teeth. He, yes. He's he, moving for teeth. But yeah. yes, he did try to bite Amanda. Um, he's a nipper. Did not hurt. No, he's did not hurt. <laughs> it's not a so- bite. It was not really a bite. It was more of a gum and a little bit of a nipple. And that was about it. Maybe I was like, I don't think you really want to bite me because you're not, you're not giving it your all here. You're just putting your teeth on me. I'm doing the best I can. I don't have any teeth. It reminds me of Austin Powers. I know I have bad teeth. (laughs) Nibble. Okay. Not nipple orange blood. Come on now. Get your nipple no come on all right here we go message board bingo read them off amanda i had a girlfriend once we were perfect together i let her be herself and do her own thing we were happy but i guess she wanted more she broke up broke my heart and went to a more established guy with more money they were together for some time but eventually divorced i was sad for a while but in the end came out stronger I actually rebuffed her later attempts at reconciliation. Sometimes, maybe, it's better to stick with someone who understands you and gives you space and allows you to be you, even if the money spigots don't turn all the way on. That's a tough one. Um, Nugs says Ole Miss. Yes. Nailed it. First one. Nugs, do you have my email? Yes, he does. Oh, look at the people that pile in now. They want the craft treat. They want the Owl's Nest barbecue. We have yes, Oklahoma, Ole Miss. South Carolina, Kentucky, Ole Miss uh, from Travis. Ole Sorry Miss. you're a little bit late. Nug says, boom, a South Carolina guest. It is a reminder when you read one of these boorish, frustrated messages on message boards that Tennessee was that team. So enjoy this. just soak it in no matter what happens in the college football playoff all right amanda so i did want to get to that if if we can you're the winner nugs so i think you have my email if not uh please just let me know and i'll hook you up so this is on off the hook sports.com here is my prediction as to what tennessee will uh be selected in the college football playoff and where these all shake out so uh here we go i got number one georgia I got number two, Ohio State. I got number three, Michigan. I got number four, TCU. I got number five, Tennessee. Amanda, what does that mean? It means I got no changes. I don't see a reason to make any changes. 
TCU beat Texas. I didn't think they would do that, but they did. And, uh, yeah, I got no problem with them being number four. They're undefeated. Tennessee, I think, is the best one-loss team. Then you have, I believe, Southern Cal will be in at number six. That is my prediction, but I could be wrong on that with Oregon falling out of it. So that's on offthehooksports.com. If you care to give that a gander, we would appreciate it. But what is your prediction as to will the college football playoff committee change some things up? I could see them flipping Michigan and Ohio State just for funsies. They won't do that until next week, until it matters, um, until they want to encourage, you know, just Thanksgiving week is always Michigan-Ohio State. So they won't do that until it's it's time for that game because they want to really – like have that rivalry go head to head and make Ohio state mad because Michigan jumped them or whatever else. Like that's what they do. I think it'll be exactly the same. I think you'll have one through five will stay the same. And I think that you'll have the shakeup will be six, six, seven, and eight. So you'll, since you had, um, crap, I can't even remember whoever, whoever lost Oregon lost. Thank you. Thank you. Since you have Oregon, losing then you have i think you'll put they'll put usc up there they'll put um lsu will go will stay up there even though that that win against arkansas was real bad but they did clinch the west so they'll go up there um i think we're all expecting them to lose to georgia in the sec championship game so i don't think it matters where they're going to be and i think you'll they'll squeeze alabama up there just because it it's talked about honestly yeah, I hate the fact that there there is the public sentiment of getting people talking the next day. That's why I think Michigan and Ohio State could flip-flop. And you may be right. Maybe from a marketing perspective, it's better to do it next week. We'll, we'll see. Amanda, when I look at these teams, because JL said, no way TCU is better than Tennessee. I thought they were I thought they were pretty, I thought they were pretty similar last week. And you're right. Uh, there's no way that Tennessee can argue they should be ranked ahead of TCU because TCU is undefeated. But listen, TCU didn't look great. They did beat Texas. I would love to see those two teams play, um, but I don't see a scenario how that plays out. I thought they were very similar before that, that game on Saturday. And then I thought that TCU was a little bit sloppy. They could, that could play out. I mean, that definitely could play out. You could have, you could drop one of the big 10 teams. You, I mean, they're going to have to play each other. Somebody's going to have to drop. You could drop one of those. You could have two SEC teams. So you could have Georgia at one. Then you could have, let me see. Sorry. You could have TCU. Well, that would be hard to do though. Yeah, TCU, see, I think, Tennessee, and then like Ohio State, but that would be really hard to do. So you're right. Yeah, I don't. I'd love not. to see those two teams play yeah, because I think they be. they they're they're kind of similar offensively. Thank you. Um, yeah, it would be tough to see them play because I think Georgia's locked up that number one spot. But so, do you think that at the end of the day, something quirky will happen? Oh yeah, it always does. It always does. Something quirky always happens. For the, Every year. For the sake of talking heads like us on a Wednesday? Yes. For the sake of talking heads like us on a Wednesday, 
something will happen with that. That not not tonight, maybe. Oh, but... not tonight. And uh, I mean no. specifically. Okay. Oh, tonight? No. It's it's a boring week for them. No. Okay. Other than just dropping Oregon out of the conversation, which seems natural. Yeah, and I think that you would love for uh, Southern Cal to lose another game if you're a Tennessee fan. Well, of course you would. If you're any kind of fan, you want Southern Cal to lose another game because you just <laughs> don't like Southern Cal. And honestly, the college football playoff, probably their committee probably doesn't even like Southern Cal either because of all the bad publicity that Lincoln Riley has caused there. Sure. Like You don't want to honor somebody like that. Uh, that's fair. And the fact that they still have O.J. Simpson's Heisman Trophy uh, still befuddles me. And not Reggie Bush. And that's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Taking money, murdering, same thing, I guess. Teach is I do want to take a quick second before the end of the program. Um, say, call your loved ones and just do that. Because what happened at Virginia was just absolutely absolutely horrible and um god bless those families and you know being a dad who has one kid at college and another one it's um you know just uh makes makes you think and so if you've got if you got loved ones out and about um give them a call and just say hey i love you so um it just, I don't know really what to say, Amanda, about what happened at Virginia, but other than it was just god awful. And um, yeah, absolutely. Keep the families in the program in, in your prayers. Uh, have a blessed day, everyone. She's Amanda LaFrada. We'll visit with you at 8 30 on Wednesday, as we do each and every weekday. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. <laughs>